Thank you for downloading Crises and Kings with Rabbi Michael Hatton, an exploration of the Book of Samuel. This series is a production of Produce North America in partnership with the Corn Podcast Network and is lovingly sponsored by the Newstein family in memory of Rabbi Dr. Joseph Newstein for his fourth yard site. Be sure to subscribe wherever you are listening. And now, Michael Hatton. Hello, everyone. This is Michael Hatton in Jerusalem, and welcome back to our Pardes podcast on Sefer Shemuel on the book of Samuel. Last time in chapter 7, we discussed Samuel as an ideal judge, a presentation of a personality that was concerned with the people of Israel that went out of his way to inspire and to guide, to educate and to teach, and yes, to preserve the people of Israel from their Philistine enemies. But alas, the period of the judges came to a close and even as an ideal judge, Shemuel can only be a limited leader. As chapter 8 begins, the people are ready for a new political arrangement. The chapter reports when Shemuel was aged, he set up his sons as judges over Israel, but Yoel and Aviah, unfortunately, who judged in Be'er Sheva, did not follow his ways, and instead they subverted justice and they took bribes. Almost a tragic mirror image to the fate of Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Pinchas. There seems to be a foundation principle embedded in this recurring phenomenon, namely that at the end of the day, even as we provide the best education, the best instruction, the best example, it will be up to the individual to choose how they will proceed and how they will live their lives. Freedom of choice is a fundamental principle in the Torah, and of course, we will live by the consequences. So sadly, Shemuel's sons stray from the straight and the true, and they subvert justice, they take bribes, and they are actually unfit to follow in their father's footsteps. As a result of that, the elders of Israel gather to Shemuel at Ramah, and they say, your children have not followed your ways. Verse number five, Ata and now, Sima lanu melech leshoftenu kechol hagoyim. Appoint over us a king to judge us like all the other nations. But the thing was very evil in Shmuel's eyes when the people said, Appoint for us a king to judge us. And Shmuel prayed to God. God responded, Listen to the people. They have not rejected you. Instead, they have rejected me, and this has been their practice since the time that I took them out of the land of Egypt. They have served other gods. Now they are doing the same to you, Shemuel. However, hearken to their voice, but warn the people and inform them of Mishpat HaMelech, the law of the king that will rule over them. So in an instant, as it were, things are overturned, but actually it has been a lengthy process. The people now clamor for a new kind of leadership, not judgehood, but kingship. Shemuel is reluctant and God is upset, 
But at the end of the day, both of them relent, and it's just a matter of time before a king will be appointed, but not before Shemuel informs the people of the law of the king, Mishpat HaMelech, which follows as the chapter unfolds. So this is one of those moments in the book when we require some other biblical context in order to inform our story. And so now we have to go back in time to the book of Deuteronomy, Sefer Devarim, chapter 16 and chapter 17, where the issue of kingship is first broached. So chapter 17 is the official mention of kingship in the Torah. Verse number 14 reports, when you come to the land that God gives you and you possess it and you dwell in it, va'amarta, you will say, asima alai melech, I will place, I will appoint a king over me, kechol hagoyim asher sivivotai, like all the nations that are around me, the Torah says, som tasim alecha melech, you will surely appoint a king over you, the one that God will choose. From the midst of your brethren, you will appoint a king over you. You shall not put a foreign person over you who is not one of your brethren. Verse number 16 in Sefer Devarim, in Deuteronomy chapter 17. Rak lo yarbe lo susim. He may not have too many horses, lest he bring back the people to Egypt in order to increase horses. And God said to you, you will not go back that route again. He will not have too many wives, such that his heart will be not led astray. V'chesef is ahav, and gold and silver he shall not multiply as well. So basically the Torah here indicates that the people of Israel can appoint for themselves a king with three limitations. The king may not have too many horses. The king may not have too many wives. The king may not have too much gold and silver. And one more provision when he sits on his throne, v'chatavlo, he will write for himself at Mishnei HaTorah Hazot Al Sefer, a copy of this Torah on the scroll from before the Kohanim and the Levites, v'hayta imo, that scroll will be with him all the days of his life so that he might read in it. So that he might learn to revere God his Lord in order to observe all the words of this Torah and these statutes to fulfill them. So that his heart not be arrogant and raised above his brethren. So that he stray not from the mitzvah to the right or the left in order that his days be lengthy over his kingdom, who uvanav, he and his children in the midst of Israel. So, seemingly licensed to appoint a king, according to Devarim chapter 17, with three limits that are spelled out explicitly, horses, wives, and wealth, and a further demand that the king write for himself a copy of the Torah and learn it all the days of his life, in order that his kingdom may last over Israel. And that effectively is the background for our story. In a sense, you might say that the people of Israel are now hearkening back to that Deuteronomic provision 
and asking for fulfillment of that which was stated in the Torah itself. But of course, here we come to an interesting disagreement among the sages of the Mishnah. And that disagreement pertains to whether, in fact, what the Torah indicates in Parshat Shoftim, Deuteronomy chapter 17, is that, in fact, a positive mitzvah, i.e. one of the 613 mitzvot of the Torah? Or, alternatively, is the Torah saying, there's no mitzvah to have a king, but if you choose to have one anyways, these following provisions must be met. So this actually is a machloket, is a disagreement. The Talmudic discussion is in Tractate Sanhedrin, in the second chapter of the Talmud, page 20b. Rabbi Yehuda argues, Shalosh mitzvot nitztavu Yisrael biknisatan la'aretz. The people of Israel were given three commands to fulfill when they enter the land. What are these three commandments? Laha'amid lahem melech, to establish a king over themselves, ulahachwit zaroshel amalek, and to wipe out the descendants of amalek, v'livnot lahem beta bechira, and to build for themselves the temple. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, the appointment of a king is a positive mitzvah of the Torah, a mitzvah on the people of Israel as a people, and it's part of a larger series of nationhood mitzvahs, which include appointing the king, destroying Amalek, and building the temple. Rabbi Nuhurai, however, who is Rabbi Meir, disagrees. And Rabbi Nuhurai says, in contrast to Rabbi Yehuda, everything stated in the Torah concerning this matter, lo ne'emra parshazo, ela umatan. When the Torah indicated in the book of Deuteronomy that the people of Israel would appoint a king, it was not stating a mitzvah or an expectation but only a prediction of what would happen. The day will come when you, dear people, will demand a king, and guess what? You are welcome to have a king. It will not work out well, so to speak, but that king must have three limits on his power, as we spelled out, but it is not a mitzvah of the Torah to be counted among the 613. Basically, what that means in a nutshell is that among the rabbis of the Mishnah and the Talmud, and you might say in the biblical sources themselves, there is ambivalence about the appointment of a king. Is this a command of God, as it were, or is this rather a concession to the people's desires? And that remains unresolved, although Maimonides will will decide the halakha according to the view of Rabbi Yehuda that in fact it is a positive mitzvah of the Torah to appoint a king. And therefore it is listed among the 613 mitzvot. But as I said, this is actually a disagreement among the sages, the ancient sages. And as we now return to our own section, we can begin to appreciate why. The people turn to Shemuel 
And they said, give us a king to judge us like all the nations. Verse number six, Vayera hadavar Shmuel, but the thing was very evil in Shmuel's eyes when they said, give us a king to judge us. And Shmuel prayed to God. So what exactly is Shmuel upset about or concerned about when it comes to the appointment of a king? The king is to be, according to the people, our judge like all the nations. Shemuel says that is precisely the problem, that the king will also be the judge. Now, some might take this as pettiness on Samuel's part, as if to say, I'm the judge around here. But actually, he is alerting us to something much more profound. I return for a moment to Devarim, to Deuteronomy, the context of the appointment of the king, but backing up a little bit to chapter 16, which is actually the beginning of the Parsha in Sefer Devarim, the Parsha of Shoftim. And the Torah says, Shoftim b'shotrim titen lacha arecha. Appoint over yourselves judges and officers in all of your gates so that they might judge the people, Mishpat Tzedek, with justice. Do not subvert judgment. Do not accept bribes because bribes blind the eyes of the wise. Tzedek, Tzedek, Tirdof, rather pursue only justice. So there's one office in ancient Israel associated with a judicial function, and it is to function righteously. The Torah goes on. If there is a doubt concerning ritual law, then one must approach the Kohanim and the Leviim. And the Kohanim and the Leviim will help you decide what the halacha is. I'm in chapter 17 of Deuteronomy, verse number 9. And that verse states that when a doubt arises concerning a judgment, concerning a ritual, concerning a question of ritual law, uvata el hakohanim halevi'im, approach the priest and the Levites and the judge that will be in that day and inquire of them and they will tell you how to proceed. And you will follow their instructions. Do not stray to the right or to the left. So, so far we have two offices in ancient Israel. One is the judiciary, which performs a judicial function. And the other is the clergy, which performs a religious function. And yes, these two offices are not hermetically sealed. There is a blurring of the roles that are played, but nevertheless, two separate ideas. And then we have the office of the king when you enter the land and you will say, I will appoint upon myself a king like all the nations that are around me. Call that the executive. And then finally, in chapter 18 of Sefer Devarim, the people of Israel are cautioned not to follow the abominations of the other nations who burn their children in the fire, who inquire of the augurers and the diviners and the necromancers and the magicians and the sorcerers. 
Don't do any of those things. Be righteous and pure with God. Tamim tihiyeh im Hashem elokecha. And lest you have a question about the future and what the future holds, says God, I will provide an address. Navi mikirbacha me'achecha kamoni. God will raise up a prophet from among you like me, says Moshe, and you will listen to him. Basically, four separate centers of power which are spelled out. The judges on the one hand, the priests and the Levites on the other, the king and the prophet, call this as it were, not exactly democracy the way we understand it, not a separation of church and state the way we understand it in the Western world, but nevertheless, a system of checks and balances such that all power is not concentrated in the hands of one office or one individual. So the judges will do their work and the priests and the Levites will do their work and the king will do his work and the prophet will do her work. And together they will provide the leadership and the guidance and the inspiration for the people of Israel. What the Torah is really saying is, beware, lest all of the power in the state is concentrated in one person, because that will surely lead to corruption. When the people turn to Shemuel and they say, appoint over us a king to judge us like all the nations, what is evil in Shemuel's eyes are the words, Give us a king to judge us because Shemuel immediately recognizes the danger of the request. The people are asking for a king to judge. It's not that a king can't judge, but that's not his most important function. And if the people want a king who is also a judge, that means they are ultimately seeking a leader that will embody all the powers of the state. And absolute power, of course, ultimately yields and must yield corruption. And that's precisely God's response. God says, they haven't rejected you, Shmuel. They have rejected me in requesting a king. Why? Because the kind of king that they are looking for is a king who will have absolute power. And a king who has absolute power does not recognize limits on his power. And effectively, God, as it were, is pushed out of the picture. In ancient Israel, the idea was that the king himself would be subject to a higher law and held accountable to a higher standard, not of his making. Which is to say, the king may not exercise absolute power in ancient Israel. And God says, that's what the people are asking for. And Shemuel says, that's what I'm worried about. And thus we have the ambivalence in the rabbinic sources. Is this a mitzvah? Is this not a mitzvah? Is this positive? Is this negative? Is this something to strive for? Is this something to avoid? In the end, God relents. The people will make their choice. 
but warn them about the consequences. And that's effectively what now follows in the chapter as Shemuel spells out the possible consequences of this move. So next time, we will consider the framing of the subject of kingship in terms of the larger picture, as well as in terms of our local chapter, in order to get a deeper appreciation of what is at stake as we now leave judges behind and embark on a new political path that will inaugurate monarchy in ancient Israel. Thank you again for listening to Crises and Kings with Rabbi Michael Hatton, a production of Parties North America in partnership with the Corn Podcast Network. If you liked what you just heard, please give a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening.